Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros, regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short... I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, so we're not going to lead the show off with top five Steve Carell movies. Yeah, I think our plans changed in the last hour and a half or so. Yeah, probably doesn't seem appropriate at the present time. Maybe we could do it at the end. Maybe. There's also a whole Bills offseason upcoming, and I'm guessing some meaningless Sabre games coming. Uh, unless they get in a playoff race, so well, be, unfortunately, there's not a lot of Sabres games I, coming. Jody Biasi, Brendan Keeney here on the Nightcap. That's where we got to start tonight. I do want to get to plenty of football today. Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports, draft analyst, was on with Chopin the Bulldog earlier, and he had some real interesting things to say about the Bills and what they could land in the draft upcoming. So I want to get to their needs. Sal wrote about running back. I wrote about backup quarterback today. So there's a lot of Bill stuff that we can do, um, and the Super Bowl's coming up in five days, so maybe I'll try to whip up some trivia. I'm not watching it. You're not watching it? I probably will, but I'm just saying <laughs> I'm not going to. Have you watched every Super Bowl? Yeah, every one that I would be like, you know, I've watched every online Super Bowl. for, you know, like as a human. Yeah. Haven't uh, most football conscious. fans watched every Super Bowl? I would assume so. What else are you doing? Maybe working. You don't even if you need... have like an If you have like a night shift or something. Hmm. That's right. That that could be. But a, that's about your only. Yeah, because if you, you know, if you're even a casual football fan, what are you doing on Super Bowl Sunday? You're going to a Super Bowl party. If you're not a football fan at all. Yeah, you're watching for the halftime show and the commercials. I mean, like, almost one third of the entire country watches a given Super Bowl. And even that, I can't believe that that number is that small. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But. It might be hard Two for them to, to, to guesstimate how many actually watch it and how many TVs are turned to the game. I was going to say, does that account for everybody being congregated most of the time for right. these games? Like, oh, only tw- 33% of the television sets are set to this. Yeah, that's because 50% of people aren't home. They're at someone else's house watching it. I don't know. That's probably There not might right. be Family Guy reruns on or something. <laughs> probably there's always a Family Guy rerun on somewhere. Um so maybe some Super Bowl, but the, the 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 story in the last couple of hours is the Buffalo Sabres and the fact that their games have been postponed through February 8th, meaning they will not be on the ice again for a game until Thursday, February 11th against the Washington Capitals, who we haven't seen enough of already. And they are reportedly furious about the situation. They have every de- darn right to be furious about it. The Sabres literally did nothing wrong, at least from what's out there right now. 
They have done nothing wrong. They were asking for more information on what was going on inside the Devils from the NHL. And essentially, the NHL wasn't returning their calls. Like, what? Like, you might have a COVID outbreak on your opponent's roster. You would want to know more about that, having concern for your own players and the health risk they would be incurring by taking to the ice, and the league just doesn't text you back. Like, what? Like, maybe, by the way, I was saying they should go into a bubble at the beginning of the year. I was saying that for a lot of sports, not just the NHL. I was saying they should go into a bubble because it's worked. NBA and NHL both went in it for postseason. They had no COVID results. You have seen now the NHL have a bunch of teams have outbreaks. I'm not sure now that I should say they should go into a bubble just because of how the bubble works. Maybe they should just go into a bubble because this league is showing blatant incompetence to how to manage this pandemic. Because if you can't give your clubs the information they need to be able to to assess whether how risky it is to take the ice, then that just means the league's not looking out for you and that they don't care about the health risks and they just want to get the games in wherever they can get the games in. And you know what? It was amazing to me, and maybe it was a conversation this weekend, but I didn't see much of a conversation on social media. I didn't hear anything from really anyone nationally about the Devils-Sabres game, either one, being in doubt, especially the Sunday game. I didn't really see anything to suggest the league was, at at the very minimum, considering it, asking themselves if it's a good idea. I think you might have... I'm not sure if you were here or not. I said it on the air. Like, one comment. Like, I didn't really go into it. I didn't tweet about it. I didn't do anything else. I didn't write about it. I didn't do anything. But I said one comment last week that kind of curious that the Blues... Golden Knights game, I had this thought last week, Blues-Golden Knights was postponed. One player on Vegas and one coach on Vegas went on the COVID protocol list, and they postponed the game. The Devils had their goaltender on the COVID list, and they had Travis Zajac go on the list. No postponement between the Sabres and Devils. And then Paul Mary. And then Paul Mary. So, like, why the inconsistency? But I I kind of left it at that because, like you said, no one else was really bringing it up. Yeah, they made it just like it was part of protocol and that it was almost like it was just swept under the rug. Like they were just hoping nothing bad was going to happen because there were just was like, there was just no discussion about it at all. And then the two games happen and then no one really is talking about it here. And then all of a sudden you have this, I just don't get And You're right. What is the difference? I'm curious as to what the difference actually was. Why was the blues Knights game canceled? Or I'm not sorry. I'm sorry. Not canceled, postponed. postponed yeah. Why was the Sabers not even really in doubt? Why was the Sabers Devil series not really in doubt? I, I don't know. Se- I haven't There's... seen an answer. And if there, and if you have an answer, I'd like to find out. But I've been searching on Twitter all day for answers, and it's just like. Well, here's the thing with the NHL. They're not being there. There's not much clarity with the public on what is happening. And like, you know what? At the end of the day, I wouldn't get too upset over that. Like if they don't want to say who's tested positive and who hasn't, you know what? That's the NHL being the NHL, right? They're the league doesn't tell you what the injuries are, even though they've got 
all these relationships now with betting communities that need that information to make lines, and they're still not giving it to them. We're starting goalies. Like, there's so much but you can with say the league like, covering stuff up. Right. But you're taking it to another level when it's not just, okay, we're not telling, you know, the media and or fans anything. But now we're not telling, right, the team. <laughs> like, what? Like, now it's ridiculous. I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. Because it's, Are you it's pretty clear that to me. the NHL would flub something up like this, though? No, not at and, all. And here's the thing. The NFL had some issues this year. They had, Of course, they were going to have to fight through issues. Okay? There were some questionable decisions that were made, like the whole Titans fiasco, the Ravens-Steelers fiasco. There were, there were no. some... The Broncos had to play with, without a quarterback. Right. Yeah. And there were some other decisions that, like, reeked of inconsistency. And maybe because... It finally really affected a team that we follow. We see how ridiculous it is. Because on the whole, I thought of the NFL as outside of those scenarios, which we all knew were going to happen eventually. Outside of those scenarios, I thought it was done fairly well. And the fact that you can name certain instances points to the fact that there weren't too many of them. Right? And so now that it like happened in Buffalo... Because the, the Bills didn't really have an outbreak this year. There were some names on the list, some names off the list. They had the game postponement, two game postpo- or, uh, yeah, postponements mm-hmm. with the Titans and the Chiefs. But nothing to this level where it affects your team, the guys you root for, your community, right? And so now it's like, this is absurd. It's absurd, and like it, it, it leaves everyone to speculate. Also, by the way, when the league does this, right? Like I saw Chris Baker, uh, Sabres prospects on Twitter. He went on a podcast today, earlier today, and just kind of offhand, like not even being like super serious, like mentioned Taylor Hall be- looking sluggish the last couple of games, and boom, here's Taylor Hall on the COVID list, but we don't know if he tested positive. Now, I mean, you can guess at whether he's tested positive. I would imagine he and Ristolainen, maybe, like, I don't want to even say they, I don't even guess that they have, because that's, like, it's almost reckless to do that. That's where the league leaves you. Because you have 15 players now on the Devils that are on the COVID list, and if you were going to go by contact tracing and who's a close contact, when you're playing a hockey game, everyone's a close contact. Every person. (laughs) There's no getting around that. So the fact that only two players have landed on the COVID list, That's the league wants you to speculate, that's where you go speculate. But at the end of the day, it's just, it's just stupid. It's, just, it's, a whole, it's a stupid situation that could have been avoided by right. a simple understanding from the league that if you have a health risk and if you don't have all the information you need on who's tested positive and like well, who's, who, what's going on with contact tracing inside an organization – and getting ahead of a situation that just happened with New Jersey Devils. They didn't get ahead of it. They were way behind. Because not only did they stop it within the Devils, they let it spread to another team. And that, to me, is on the league. Is I don't this... know who else you can blame for it. I think it's on the league. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I could be. But is this the first example of team-to-team spread in sports? American sports? Ooh, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, baseball, I feel like, at the beginning... When the Marlins had that outbreak, like the Phillies then had to close up shop. The Yankees did for a little bit. I feel like it might have happened in baseball, but I can't tell you for sure. It's interesting, though, because this is a major, to me, it's a major flub by the league because it seems, in retro, I guess in retrospect to me, it seems obvious 
that you would at least postpone the Sunday game. And I'm saying in retrospect because I think I was under the assumption that everything was kind of buttoned up. Mm -hmm. The fact that it wasn't a conversation, the fact that there didn't seem to be too much concern, I was wrongly, apparently, under the assumption that there wasn't a major risk or concern the fact that these two games were played this week this weekend yeah it's just and and know what this is going to do joe (laughs) every time that we're going to see a story like this where a player gets put into protocol on a team it's going to lead to second guessing yeah because when a situation goes this wrong you wonder how far gone is it actually compared to what we know Yep. I don't know what else to say in this situation. I think we just kind of got to, like, I, we can just rag on the league for the whole show here. Like, I'm full, oh, we fully... we could do that. I know we could definitely do that. But, man, like, I, I think it's just, it's pretty clear to me, like, what what the problem is here. Yeah. It's, it's It starts and ends at the NHL offices. Like, that that's where it is. Yep. And it's not a surprise to me. I don't blame the Devils. The I don't blame the Sabres. Right? And unless it's the not Devils, like... Unless the Devils, like... They did what the Capitals did, something right. like that. Outrageously violated yeah. protocol. I can't be mad at the Devils because you're told to play. Right. And that really is where the league needs to be the responsible. They need to be the responsible parent in the room. What, is a team supposed <laughs> to be the one? No, they shouldn't. Exactly. But they also weren't. They also wouldn't allow the team to make that decision for themselves by not giving them anything. Like the Sabres asked for it and they didn't get it. Maybe they would maybe they would have come to their own conclusion that we're not taking this risk. <laughs> like it's just not happening. That you saw some of that come up in football. It never actually got came to fruition, but you saw reports that like players are considering not playing this game. Right. <laughs> and like you, you didn't even give you didn't even give the Sabres that opportunity. You didn't give anybody that opportunity. It, it just it's brutal. It's it's brutal yep. by the NHL. All right, uh, I want to switch gears to football here. 8030550 is the phone number, and I specifically want to get into the Bills offseason. We've not done a lot of that, in part because we had a massive trade that happened over the weekend. By the way, someone, I don't know if I even mentioned it on air yesterday, someone tweeted a trade that could be a bigger quarterback trade than the one we saw this weekend because we were trying to find a quarterback trade in league history that outweighs the, the scale of Stafford for Goff which you just don't see. Number one pick for number one pick. Starter for starter. You never see that. There's one trade, but it's it's kind of cheating because it's at the draft. And it's the Phillip Rivers-Eli Manning trade. That was a crazy trade. The, I, the difference is that they're just not known quantities at that point. And they hadn't played. Yeah. And also, the Giants took Rivers because that's who the Chargers wanted them to take. Yes. If you watch that... It's it's either a 30 for 30 or it's just an ESPN documentary on that draft. Basically, the Giants wanted Roethlisberger. Like, if the Giants weren't going to get Eli Manning, if that trade wasn't going to happen, they weren't getting Rivers. They were getting Roethlisberger. And then Rivers would have went wherever after. Maybe he ends up in Pittsburgh. He would have the whole jumble there. Um, But again, right, it's a little different because those guys had never played in the NFL at that time. They were unknown commodities. This is two guys with resumes. Goff for Stafford. So that is in part why we haven't, you know, talked about the Bills and there's all this other quarterback movement. We don't before I miss it and move on. We don't have a rumor today, right? 
There's no Cousins to San Francisco rumor. There's no Watson's going here. There's no Washington is after this guy. I think we're just kind of in a holding pattern for a bit, at least for a day. So, to the Bills and what this offseason is and what it means. I think Chris Trapasso of CBS made one comment. And he was We brought him on to talk draft, and he actually made a comment about the Bills this offseason that wasn't even pertaining to the draft, but just an overall mindset that the Bills need to take an offensive mindset into this offseason. They should not go into this offseason trying to figure out how to defend the Chiefs. It's how to keep up with them, how to score sure. with them. And I think, I don't know what they're going to do on that. Like, I, we, I think we know where fans want them to be, and I think we know where most people want them to land, which is let's try to outscore them. I don't quite know, though, where they're going to come down on that. Because I could see Sean McDermott being upset with with their performance. And I, I could see Sean McDermott being the bright defensive mind he is. He's a coach. He's a coach in the NFL. They all have egos. Sean McDermott, for sure. And I, I'm not, I don't blame him for this. I'm not. This isn't a criticism. I would bet he thinks he can stop the Chiefs. I would bet he thinks there's a combination of players and scheme to where he can stop Patrick Mahomes. And I'm sitting here thinking, and I think a lot of fans are sitting here thinking, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. You spent how many years trying to slow down Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski? You never were able to figure it out. Because really, at the end of the day, there was no combination to doing that. And I'm starting to get down. Like, with You know what? I, I really w- want the Bills to find a franchise pass rusher. But I'm almost even coming away from that. And I'm almost like, you know what? Just go find the – who's the best receiver on the board? Like, I'm ready to draft a receiver in the first round. Travis Etienne in the first round, like, warming up to it a little bit. Because you know what? He does play all over the field. Like, anything that helps them outscore Kansas City is no- now sounds like a good idea to me. I still don't think the mindset should be get to Kansas City's level. I'm more of the – I'm right – obviously you have to, but – Maybe you just will in a given game. Like, I don't think you should build your roster to beat Kansas City. And I've seen this said before. Like, I'm not, com- I'm not splitting an atom here. But the mindset to me should be, what do we have to do to beat our division six times this year? What do we have to do to win our division? What do we have to do to beat our division opponents six times this year? To me, that should be the mindset. And then hopefully that also translates to putting together a roster that can compete with the Chiefs. I mean, you you look at, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the, the Colts Patriots and how you would be okay if the Colts were, the, the Bills were the Colts in that dynamic, right? And you compare the Chiefs to the Patriots, right? The, the Colts still had to like had bigger worries than the Patriots. They still had to get there. Like I'm not I'm not ready to sell out to do any one thing to beat the Chiefs. I want mm. them to win their division year after year after year like the Patriots have done for 20 years because once you do that and you will guarantee yourself a home playoff game and if you're in the Bills case you probably have enough talent moving forward to per, to potentially guarantee two if you get the top seed. That's <laughs> tough because you're playing against, you know, the Chiefs are in your conference, but, 
Like, that's, to me, how you mm. have sustained success. And then, like you said, the Colts won a couple against the Patriots. Yeah. I, I have to stop you, though, because as I, te- as I said before we launched into this topic, I wanted to make sure I hadn't missed anything on oh boy. quarterback rumors in the league. And I'm not kidding. While you were talking, while you were talking, there's a report that says from a blue check mark. I'm not going to give the reporter away because that I want to tease this, and I'm, I think the reporter might give it away. I know you're going to find out in the break anyway, but for the listeners. The tweet is, multiple NFL sources indicate to me that blank is a hot commodity, and it is expected that multiple teams will pursue him via trade. That could lead to the blank pursuing Deshaun Watson in a blockbuster trade. I will tell you who that team is and who that quarterback is that might suddenly be on the trade market. And I'll take your calls, too, on what we were just going over there <laughs> on the Bills it. at 803-0550. That's right after this here on the Nightcap with Jody Biasi and Brendan Keeney. This is WGR. For the Bills' sake, I hope they don't go into this offseason and this draft trying to figure out a way to defend the Chiefs. We heard that for 20 years. Mm-hmm. How can they defend the Patriots? How can they defend Rob Gronkowski? The Bills are close to the Chiefs offensively. And I still think they have good bones in their secondary and up front. They need to do what they can do offensively to just score more points than the Chiefs. I don't want them to take a a full defensive mindset this entire offseason. CBS Sports' Chris Trapasso was showing the Bulldog earlier today. Offensive mindset for the Bills. I just went into that with a little bit with Brendan here in the last segment. I think that's where I want to be. Um. All right, let me get you this quarterback that could be on the trade market, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. I think I think it's not going to happen because I think this team is nuts. So, Vinny Bonsignore from the Vegas Review Journal reports from multiple NFL sources. Derek Carr is a hot commodity. It is expected that multiple teams will pursue him via trade that could lead to the Raiders pursuing Deshaun Watson in a blockbuster trade. Now, here's what ha- what's happening, though. It sounds like they're not just trading Derek Carr to trade Derek Carr. They're trading Derek Carr in an effort to get Deshaun Watson. They're dreaming, though, in this scenario. Bonsignore, in his piece, he says, quote, for that to happen, speaking of Carr being traded, the Raiders would have to receive two first-round picks for Carr, which they would then package with their own first-rounders. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. To present a compelling offer of four first-round picks to the Texans for Watson. So this is why I don't think Derek Carr now is getting traded. One, you need two things to happen that are both maybe unlikely at this point. The Raiders need to find someone to give them two first-round picks for Derek Carr which I think is craziness. I mean, Stafford got two first, but you might even you might as well 
uh, tag one of those first to Jared Goff's contract. Right. Like, in my mind, Matthew Stafford got traded for one first-round pick. And then the Lions got another first-round pick for taking Jared Goff's contract. So you're you're giving more for Derek Carr than what Matthew Stafford cost, which I guess there could be some people that think Carr is better or more valuable. I would certainly not be one of those people. And then you need the, the Texans to play ball with you, and you need them to pass on higher draft picks from probably the Dolphins or the Jets. And maybe your San Francisco 49ers you think should give like eight first-round picks. I'm, I'm trying to think of a scenario or a team where that would be possible. They would give two firsts for Carr? Yeah, and I, about- I just can't. Like, like it have to be a very solid team that is just – like a desperate solid team that has questions around – like I'm, I'm looking at like the San Francisco 49ers or the Colts. Desperate teams that think they're in a window to win who need better play from their quarterback position. What about New England? They're not close to a they're, su- not, they're not close to a Super Bowl to give up a first round pick. They're not, but I think Bill Belichick might be thinking he wants to he wants to try to win. That would be a dream scenario. If you want oh, for me? Bill Belichick to trade two first round picks for Derek Carr to have them win five games next year, and then <laughs> that leads to the assurance that Deshaun Watson gets traded to the Raiders and not one of the Jets or the Dolphins, sign me up right now. I was going to say, it's probably a, that's a perfect, perfect situation. And Miami likely getting stuck with Tua because Trapasso also said today that even though he would draft Zach Wilson if he were the Dolphins at three, that it's probably not going to happen. Like, the Dolphins tanked for Tua. They got him. They're not going to... They're not going to move on after seven, eight games, however many it ended up being. Not even full-time games, by the way, because Fitzpatrick would come in in the fourth quarter. So, <laughs> like, is that not – that is actually the perfect scenario. The perfect scenario is Watson to the Raiders, even though he's staying in the conference. Like, whatever, I'll take Let it. Let Mahomes and Watson beat each other up And all then year. the Bills are competing with a rookie with the Jets probably or Sam Darnold. That's the perfect scenario. Yeah. Sam Darnold, <laughs> Tua, and Derek Carr going against the Bills. Like, I was actually fearful – at the midpoint in the season, when New England was, like, at the fifth pick, the Jets were number one, and Tua had just entered, and he looked okay in the first couple of games, but at that point, we didn't know enough about him. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, Tua sounds scarier than he does right now. It's like, oh, we're going to have to play Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> Tua Tagovailoa, And Justin Fields. And Justin Fields. <laughs> Good luck. Like yeah. They're still the best team, but this is about to get tough. Now we're talking about Derek Carr, Sam Darnold, and Tua. Sign me up. I don't think New England is going to end up getting a quarterback with enough with enough pedigree that it would change my opinion of what they are next year. Because Derek Carr doesn't do that. Stafford might have done it a bit. Actually, probably would have. Cousins doesn't do that. Drafting a rookie midpoint of the first round, like they get Mac Jones, like that's not going to do that. It just comes down to the fact that that team is so devoid of talent everywhere. It, it, everywhere, it's and not this, just it's not it's not that they just lost mm-hmm. because of poor quarterback play last year. Their best offensive weapon was who? Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers, yeah. Who actually had? Didn't he have more passing touchdowns last year than receiving touchdowns? Um, it's like <laughs> the the team just overall is so devoid of talent. I just Deshaun Watson just won four games in. Houston, that has a better roster 
um, unbelievably, has a better roster than the Patriots. I this if I could attach this to how we ended our last segment, this is why I'm not all that worried about winning the division. This is why my my sights are are solely set on Kansas City. Is I don't think the Bills have a very high bar at least until Miami, until Tua either shows me something or Miami lands Deshaun Watson or they get bold and decide to draft one of these kids at 3. Until the Dolphins do something like that, I don't think the bar is all that high. Yeah, for the Bills. I think the 2019 Bills would be favored to win this division. A team that was not nearly as dynamic on offense. Like was a, was an average to below average offensive team. Like I think that team wins this division. Yeah. And now I've reached such I I've reached an eclipse of what I can do throwing the football that be, just being better than New England, the Jets and the Dolphins. Like I don't know, for me that's not enough. I'm not I understand saying, like you you're talking more. You're not just talking next year. You're I'm talking, talking year like after a decade. year. Yeah. And Build that a team I understand. that can win the division for the next 10 years. And here's the thing, like maybe because the Jets and the Dolphins and the Patriots don't look good for next year, and I still think the Dolphins look fine. They're still a decent They're fine. team yeah. that that will at the very minimum go 800 cuz that their roster is that talented. They could absolutely beat the Bills next year, I think, in one of the two matchups. And, you know, if Tua improves, they could be looking at another 10-win season. I'm trying to find – I'm not sure I'm going to be able to. But the, uh, but the the point is, like, they're not all going to be down forever. And as I just said that out loud, I realized that the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins were always down when the Patriots held the dynasty. Right. So maybe they will. Maybe. But, like, we're talking about – the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins were like the three stooges of the NFL for 20 years, <laughs> and that like never happens, that level of dominance. You know, like I, I have a hard time seeing all these teams being down for that long that we can just that we can, as fans, we can just watch the Bills coast to division titles like New England did for whatever it was, 13 straight years. Mm-hmm. If I could revisit this Raiders thing for a second, if you missed the beginning of the segment, it's being reported from Vinny Bonsignore in Vegas that the Raiders are not necessarily shopping Derek Carr, but he's a hot commodity in the trade market, and that for the right price, which might be two first-round picks, they would move him. But it doesn't sound like they would move him for, for instance, picks and then start Marcus Mariota. But if <laughs> let's say... What is Derek Carr? Right, what, like, why do they think so highly of Derek Carr? Well, I'm not even saying that. I'm saying like Derek Carr is probably just minding his own business, watching TV <laughs> in his house right now, and he mm. sees this report that the Raiders would <laughs> sell out to get yeah. rid of you and bring someone else in. And how does that not lead to some sort of movement this offseason? Well, right, and like you're, if you're trying to figure out who put that out there, so right. It's obviously not Derek Carr. Well, I can't imagine. Unless Carr knows that they're trying to trade him and he's upset about it and he's trying to forward that process along. Um, the Raiders wouldn't do it because if it gets out there like it has and like the scenario you're just mentioning where Derek Carr reads it on his phone, that, that's not something you want your starting quarterback that you, at least at the moment, internally still consider your franchise quarterback. It's not something you want him reading that you're trying to upgrade from him. Right. And, like, I know, logic. Like, he should know in his own mind Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback. It's not really how those guys are geared, though. So, he'll take it personally. The Raiders didn't do it. Yeah. I guess it came from another team. What about Watson's agent? 
Or Watson's agent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's actually good. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been Watson's agent. Watson are, wants to get this process going. Yeah. I, if I'm the Raiders, though, like I think you're nuts for having that evaluation of Carr. I think they should be trying to move on from him regardless. If 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 he's a hot commodity on the trade market, if someone's offering you a first round pick for Derek Carr, but you're holding out for more, like they're go they've gone too far because we just saw Mariota in limited action this past season. The the replacement level for him on your own team is like not even it, it's no there's no drop off at all. But it's if like any. but it's like Andy Dalton syndrome. It's yes. he's too good to get you a high draft pick, and he's not good enough to win you meaningful games. He's good enough to you'll make the playoffs once every three, four years. Right, and that's that's who he is. So like, what do you do as a team? You just hope for one really good year from Derek Carr, and maybe that's enough to win you a title. You gotta be bold like the Rams were. I'm starting to respect the Rams more and more. But they tra- they 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 got rid of a guy who still probably has a little bit of value, even though his. Contract is terrible, but but they could have easily con- convinced themselves they could just keep going with Jared Goff. He's young enough. He is under yeah. contract. It might be too expensive, but he's under contract. He has put up numbers. They have made the playoffs almost every single year with him. They made a Super Bowl. They they could have so easily just kept going, and they were they decided no, we need to try an upgrade, and we're gonna go get Matthew Stafford. It doesn't have to work out. He doesn't even have to be better than Goff was. But we can't stay in this holding pattern. Right. Which I think they were inevitably, like, they were tracking towards with Jared Goff as their quarterback. I'm not saying Carr is the exact same situation because there are differences. I respect Goff, the hell out of the move. Yeah. And, like, the Raiders, if I'm the Raiders, if I am any team that has a quarterback like that, that is middle of the road, those are the teams I respect that say this is not good enough. Because not every team does that. Cincinnati took them forever to do that. Miami, it took them a while to figure out that Tannehill wasn't good enough. You know, the Raiders, go ahead. Keep going with Derek Carr. You're you're lucky if you make the playoffs, like, like I said, once every four years. Because I'm looking now, and they only made the playoffs with him in 2016. That's it. He's never played a playoff game. He got hurt, I yeah, think, hurt. week 16. Like Connor Cook. Connor Cook played. played. Something like that, yeah. But, right, like, <laughs> you, are, you are seven seasons in with this guy. You have a record of 47-63. and 63. His numbers are pedestrian when it comes to quarterbacks in football, starting quarterbacks, and you've made the playoffs once. You're holding out for two first-round picks? This is why I'm so glad Josh Allen ascended to the level he did. It wasn't even just a minor step forward, because a minor step forward this past year from Josh Allen could have got the Bills trapped. It could have got them trapped into thinking they have a quarterback that is good, but he's not one of the elites of the league. And... You can get stuck in the middle for a long time doing that. Right. But Allen was so good that like that conversation is just set it on fire. It doesn't even exist here with how good he was this past year. And the Raiders or the Patriots, whoever would be trying to get this guy, I don't know. San Francisco, like there like, are some I'm, I'm teams like, where it makes some sense, but no team where it makes sense for two first round picks. Yeah. Unless you are like like I said, you've got to be a desperate, you have to have fringe a... contender that thinks yeah. even a marginal quarterback upgrade could be the difference. And San Francisco might well they shouldn't want think that because they got yeah. to the Super Bowl and were leading. I, I know, but, but if you're San Francisco, here's the thing on them: if you're San Francisco, you're not help doing anything to help the Raiders get Deshaun Watson. 
Like, because if you're San Francisco, you're you're going for Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson's available, you outbid whatever the Raiders are giving them, which means you're not getting Derek Carr under any circumstance. And they'd have better draft capital than the Raiders. They had right. a worse season than the Raiders. Yeah, right? so like they might not be uh, the right team here. But yeah. some someone's going to get left without a dance partner. Maybe it's Washington. Maybe Washington wants to go take a swing at Derek Carr. Maybe it's maybe it's Carolina, although I think that's kind of a lateral move for them, and they probably would think the same thing. Do you remember the PFF uh, trade I showed you earlier today? That It was just a yeah. what-would-you-do PFF put it out, and it was like Remind me. Chase Young and three first-round picks to the Texans for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Man, Watson, Watson holds a lot of the cards. Right. Houston holds a lot of the cards for what this offseason is. Because if Watson gets traded, the whole league is going to be nuts. It's just going to be chaos. But if he's not traded, I wonder if you don't see much more movement at all. Like you'll you'll have your team's drafting guys. There's a report out there today. Matt Ryan's not getting moved. He's, he's staying put. He so, had like a really difficult contract to move, though. Very difficult. Right. Yeah. Um. I I thought the same thing. I thought if Atlanta did anything, they would pick a guy at four, and mm-hmm. then Ryan would still start the year. Um, they could. That, that, that could still happen, yeah. But like, they're, yeah, they're not they're not going out for one of these veterans. It's it's so, so interesting. I'm so excited. I just like I said yesterday, I just hope that we it's all spaced out. Like I hope we don't get like three trades on one day. Like I, I want. I like the rumors though. I'll take a rumor a day. So far we've had that. A rumor a day keeps the boredom away, Joe. <laughs> uh, Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. I've got a backup quarterback. Uh, idea for you when we come back. It's not, by the way, the one I wrote about at our website today. I have another one that I'm going to write about probably either tomorrow or the next day. So I'll I'll pose that to you um, and maybe just the Bills' backup quarterback position as a whole. Because as I just mentioned, these teams are going to get left without a dance partner at quarterback. They're going to be quarterbacks to get left without a dance partner. And then you might want to – the Bills might want to take a modest swing in the backup quarterback market. We'll see uh, what you think of that. When we come back here on the Nightcap, Jody Biasi and Brendan Keeney, this is WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Last call on the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. I want an opinion from you on the Bills at backup quarterback. I have landed in a spot where I would like to see them do something. I think it's a growing trend in the league that these teams with enough security at f- with their franchise quarterback that they know... You've got a guy on the bench that is one heartbeat away from being the most important player on the field for a team. And you're seeing, like, the Saints have done this two years in a row with Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater. Um, You've had the Eagles draft Jalen Hurts with a second-round pick. You have had – I had another example ready to go on this, and I just forgot it. Uh, The the Cowboys with Andy Dalton. Like You've seen some of these teams that know who their guy is. That they'll go, they'll go get the, the highest level backup on the market. And I think what's not being talked about right now with at least the Bills in terms of their cap at quarterback, if they sign Josh Allen, that cap hit is not going to kill them next year. They'll have one more year with him on his rookie deal at $6.9 million. And I would like to see them bring in a high-profile backup now that he has as much security as you could want as, like, the guy. Like, there's no quarterback controversy. We're not going to have callers calling to, to say this guy should start who's sitting on the bench. And I've got a couple of backups that I think are going to be left without starting jobs. The name I keep coming back to for that is Mitch Trubisky. But, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
maybe would be interested. I don't know. Maybe he wants to end his career here if he can't find a starting job elsewhere. There will be other guys on the market. Jameis Winston probably gets a starting job, but like maybe not. Someone won't. And that guy that doesn't get a job, should the Bills be looking to bring that guy in? Or just go with the, the status quo? Just go with Fromm or Webb or re-sign Barkley? Where are you at on this for back quarterback? Or it's not, do you not care at all? I really don't. Um, I mean, I think it doesn't really matter who your backup quarterback is. If Josh Allen isn't playing, I don't have confidence that you're going to have any sustained winning. So that see see where I am on that. Like if he were out for the year, and obviously, hopefully, he never gets injured like this. If you're out for the year, I think the season is over, regardless. Like no matter what, it's over. I don't care who the backup is. But there are guys where I think what you should be looking for is to keep the ship afloat. You know, like Barkley, I'm not sure honestly would have been able to do that. Maybe I'm not thinking highly enough of him, but. I don't. I think if Allen were to miss like a stretch of like seven, eight games, and you need to win, you got to go five hundred, four and four. Like I've got guys on the market who have done that with good teams, and I'm not sure just any old backup would be able to do that in this in this situation. Sure, I, I have. <laughs> we haven't really seen a lot of Matt Barkley, and when we do see him, it's like in situations that it's not really fair to judge him either way he played really bad against the Jets at the conclusion of not this past season but last year but so did Sam Darnold they both played bad it was a crappy weather game you know I don't know he looked decent against the Dolphins he threw a really bad interception but he also had a couple bombs down the field to Gabriel Davis yeah so I, I don't really know I don't know if we've had enough time to evaluate Matt Barkley as a backup quarterback he beat the Jets when he started a couple, uh, a couple year, did. years ago, in 2018, crushed them. Crushed them. <laughs> it was like 52 to something. Um, but you, I, I, but I don't know. I, I don't know what like for an eight game period. Yeah, I don't know. Am I comfortable with Matt Barkley coming in in a half? We'll see. I I don't even know if I am with that. This is why my favorite idea right now is the Fitz idea because there would be nostalgia there. There would be, like, the fans would love it, like, him coming back here to end his career. And among all of these guys, I mean, I'm talking about a very specific scenario, I know, where Allen misses a chunk of games. But I don't know. Like, I think if you knew Fitz is playing six to eight games with this offense, I would think I could go above 500 maybe with him, as, depending on who, what your opponent is. It's very schedule-reliant uh, there. But – like fits on this offense, if in a pinch, if he needed to come in due to an injury, like he would be the one I'd probably have the most confidence in. The Miami Dolphins would have made the playoffs if they would have. Ryan Fitzpatrick started every game this year. They robbed him of his first career playoff appearance. He would. They would have made the playoffs. Tua Tungavailoa and the bizarre switch to him after their bye is the reason they did not make the playoffs. And I don't think Brian Flores has taken enough heat for that. He's almost gotten no heat for it. The only way I would have given him credit for it is if it led him to drafting a new guy. Like, if, if you were doing it because you wanted to find out what Tua is. But it doesn't sound like that's why he did it. It sounds like he did it because he thought it would give him a better chance to win. And I think we're seeing that now. Because he gave you every reason you would think you could get. 
He to, it to was the draft best a new guy. Of football like in his career, other than the three games he played with the he started the game the, the season with the Bills like nine yeah. years ago. Yeah, so I, I'm not giving them any credit for that. I, this, I think I thought it was they, a brutal. I, think they did. I thought it was brutal. All right. Well, maybe Fitz will be the Bills' backup. I don't know. He 14 will not be on the table for him. By the way, sign me up, Diggs. Yeah, obviously. So he'd have to pick a new number. He also could get a starting job. He could, couldn't he? Couldn't if the Bears can't figure out anything to do? Can they just bring him in? I guess maybe an upgrade. Yeah, that's there would true. be team the Patriots complete that AFC East cycle. I could see him getting a starting job too. I, sh- I shouldn't just assume that his only option would be let me let me go wrap it up in Buffalo. What kind of team would I know we're like pushing here? But what yeah. kind of team would be Ryan Fitz like on the Ryan Fitzpatrick trail? Like to get him to be the starter? Yeah. I think it's. Does Washington think, take a run? Yeah, Washington's good. I like New England for this a lot because I don't. I don't know something about that. Something about that seems right to me. New England, and so fits. he can complete the AFC. It's East, not even. Uh, it's not just that. Is it part of maybe it? Maybe it is part of it. Maybe <laughs> I'm maybe I'm making it too much part of it. I don't know who else. Like, would San Francisco rather have Fitzpatrick than Garoppolo? I would. I would. I don't know if these teams would though. What about the Colts? Houston? I feel like a team that just can't f- figure out what they're doing. Like, they get left at Houston. <laughs> no, that's what I mean, right? If they trade Watson and they just get draft picks, like, just bring Fitz in. Hey, I don't, maybe yeah, maybe he will get a job. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about him yet. All right. Um, well, I do know I, how I feel about him in terms of here. Like, he's my favorite idea to be the Bills' backup quarterback. There's that at least. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. ESPN Radio on the way next. No Sabres games until next Thursday. So you're getting a lot more of me and Brendan here for the next week plus. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 7 here on WGR. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.